long story short, um, and here we go. You know what? I may have had my my my, my mic muted this entire time, um, and so I just realized that I've talked for bits. Uh, but nonetheless, to kind of bring you up to speed with my mock draft, okay? Good thing I've only gone through a couple of picks. So one, I added Hutchinson to the Jaguars, which is the consensus amongst a lot of people. Two, I have Trayvon Walker going to the to the Detroit Lions. Now, Kayvon Walker, uh, I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau could be an option number two. I do believe Walker ends up getting the nod there just because I, I read a report saying that Dan Campbell isn't necessarily a fan of Thibodeau's um, personality, and, and there have been more than more than a couple of people that have talked about Thibodeau's attitude being a red flag. So I think they go with a player that has the potential to become a dominant NFL player who's got a very, very good grade off the field. He is interviewed extremely well. I think the Lions go Trayvon Walker. They could go quarterback. You know, they're doing their due diligence. I know they've met with Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, right? So they could end up throwing a wrench on draft night and shocking everybody and going quarterback because there really hasn't been a whole lot of talk about the Detroit Lions strongly considering a quarterback at number two. Um, I, I do think it's an intriguing possibility, but Brad Holmes, a GM for the Lions, he came from the from L.A., so he was a part of the Rams franchise, and he was kind of the understudy to Les Snead. And he's the primary engineer in what helped get Jared Goff to Detroit in that trade with Matthew Stafford. And so I think he has a lot of confidence in Jared Goff. I think he's willing to give him at least one more season to see if maybe he can play a little bit more like the Jared Goff of the second half of the season. Because if he can do that, you know, you got an emerging receiver in Amaran St. Brown. Maybe you add another piece. They signed DJ, DJ Chark in free agency. And so I think they're more focused on putting some talent around Goff to see if he can evolve into um, a top-tier quarterback. Now, we'll see if he's not. And obviously, next year's draft, the Lions would, would for sure be in a market for a quarterback. But for now, they go Walker. Three, as I was talking about, this is where my mock draft gets shaken up a little bit, and it's the Houston Texans who, mind you, I really do believe they are open to trading back. This is a team that has been rebuilding, especially this past season. They're more focused on replenishing the roster with more and more picks. So in other words, Nick Casario is going to be very, very um, happy to field phone calls with teams that are looking to make that jump up to three. He knows that if that's the case, depending on the jump, um, they're really going to be able to pile on some heavy draft capital. And I think that's all you can ask for if you're the Houston Texans is trying to replenish the squad with young talent, uh, rookie contracts. And so that's exactly the, the direction that I have the Houston Texans going in this mock draft. I have the Baltimore Ravens. From number 13, trading up to number three with the Houston Texans. Now, the question is, you're probably asking is, who do the Ravens make that jump for? And a pretty significant jump, going from 13 to three. And they're essentially going to have to sacrifice a second-round pick, maybe their third future, a 2023 second or third-round pick. I mean, it's going to take quite a bit to jump from 13 to three. 
But in this mock draft, I have them doing so and getting the top corner in this year's draft class in soft Sauce Gardner. Now, you may be wondering, wow, they make that huge jump and they're not even going to get Thibodeau? And my response to that is, right now, Eric DaCosta, the Ravens GM, he's even spoken about it to the media in recent weeks where he said that cornerback, he's, he's concerned with the lack of depth he has at the corner position. And I completely would agree with that because right now you have Marlon Humphrey, right? But a lot of turnover from the other starting corner positions. You know, Tavon Young was cut. He ended up signing with the Bears. You know, Jimmy Smith, the vet corner, he's a free agent. And I'm not sure if Baltimore is interested in bringing him back, maybe on a one-year incentive-based deal. He's a free agent. And then, of course, they didn't tender Chris Westry, right? So he left in free agency. So now you're, you're really, really hurting for a viable number two corner to play outside opposite of Marlon Humphrey and an AFC North division that just got Deshaun Watson you know, Pittsburgh trying to figure out their quarterback situation. But you know that Joe Burrow and the Bengals, that offense is explosive and already put up more than four or 500 yards on the Ravens or depleted Ravens secondary, I might add. So I think corner is a very pressing need. And I think the Ravens see a, a guy in the mod Gardner that may be uh, one of those special players, defensive players that are going to turn out to be all pros every single year. And I, I truly believe that based on his college resume, Sauce Gardner, I think he, he is going to translate to the NFL very well. And he's going to put him opposite of Marlon Humphrey, one of the top corners in the league. And you see that aggressive front seven from Baltimore. They're under a new DC this year. I like the move. I think Gardner would look good in purple and black and the Ravens, while they end up having to give up some future draft comp, I think they would be just okay. Uh, if they're able to move up to three and get Ahmad Gardner that high in the draft to, to solidify their secondary. Now, number four, I have another trade. Things are getting wild there in Las Vegas, or at least I'm projecting it to be. So I have the Atlanta Falcons, Moving up with, uh, to, in a trade with the New York Jets. And the Jets going to number eight, where the Falcons are. And this is a shocker right here. We kick off the quarterback run with the Falcons leapfrogging um, to number four, taking Malik Willis. They know that they had to get ahead of the Carolina Panthers. At number six, because you know Kenny Pickett has been a common uh, name being floated around in Carolina. You know Malik Willis is a guy. And so the Falcons, who traded away Matt Ryan to the Indianapolis Colts, of course they did sign Marcus Mariota uh, to be that bridge quarterback. But make no mistake about it, this guy Malik Willis, while he may have a lot to develop and grow into at the next level, it's, his potential is undeniable. And so I think that if you're Terry Fontenot, the GM there in Atlanta, you're Arthur Smith, you want to start this quarterback process sooner rather than later. And so they went ahead and protected, protected themselves by getting Mariota. 
And so this this is a perfect acquisition in Malik Willis to sit a year, maybe two years, depending on how long it's going to take him to fully develop into a starter. But he's got a, a ton of upside. And I think that's why Atlanta pulls a trigger, makes a jump from eight, gets the four, gets Malik Willis. They have their future face of the franchise, and they can start his development this offseason. So Malik Willis to the Falcons at number four. Now, number five, that move ensues and spurs more action and poor Carolina Panthers that are sitting there at six. So the Seahawks, they jump the Carolina Panthers, and they get the fifth spot. The Giants end up moving back to um, back in the draft. And so I have the Seahawks taking Kenny Pickett. So just like that, Malik Willis goes to the Falcons at four. Seattle gets aggressive coming up from number nine, and they get Kenny Pickett. And they snap him up right ahead of the Carolina Panthers who are sitting there at six. And so I do believe Seattle is interested in a quarterback this year. Now, they may not be crazy um, wild about it, but they did acquire Drew Locke, and he is a guy that can maybe their starter. They re-signed Geno Smith, but that does not detour or shouldn't detour them from going to make a move for a quarterback if they deem one to be worth it. And so in this case, I think the Seahawks pull the trigger on same situation. He can develop, sit behind Drew Locke, learn from Geno Smith. And there you have it, Seattle. You have a guy that's got some athleticism, can make plays in and outside of the pocket. And of course, you'd hope that you surround him with a good run game and see how things uh, turn out. Number six, Carolina. I am taking the top tackle in in the draft. Now, of course, some people have Evan Neal rated above him, but uh, Ikem Ikwamu, offensive tackle or NC State. I have the Panthers taking him at number six. And so with the quarterbacks that they are rumored to be interested in off the board, they stand there at six and they take the best player available on their board right now. They need help at tackle. You got Taylor Moten, lockdown right tackle. They desperately play his left tackle. Ikwamu can provide them just that. So they go offensive tackle at six. Now the Giants who are sitting there at seven. Got the pick from the Chicago Bears. I have them taking Evan Neal. So not a bad uh, arrangement if you're the Giants. You did trade your five pick or your 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 fifth pick to the Seahawks. You move back to nine. But even at that, at seven, they get Evan Neal, one of the, the draft best tackles from Alabama. He will help solidify that offensive line. You know, shown that's been his number one goal all season is to – up that offensive line. Evan Neal will certainly hurt, uh, help that. He's got position flex. You can always start him off at guard. But you have yourself a, a certain tackle. You have options as to how you want to go about it. You can always kick Andrew Thomas into guard or you can start uh, Evan Neal at left tackle, move Thomas to right tackle or you can start Evan Neal at right tackle and keep Thomas at left tackle. So options galore for the Giants. They get Evan Neal at number seven. Number eight the Jets, who move back from four to eight with that trade with the Falcons, they still get the number one receiver in this year's draft class. They go Garrett Wilson at number eight. You know, the Jets took a swing for Tyreek Hill, 
Um, didn't work out. They get their number one wide receiver for Zach Wilson. Nine, the Giants. This is the, the pick that they acquired from the Seattle Seahawks. I have them taking Kayvon Thibodeau at number nine, which is terrific value. So if this, in a sense, happened for the Giants, where they trade back and they're at 7-9 and nine and they end up with Evan Neal and Thibodeau, I think a lot of Giants fans would be pretty elated. Two stalwarts, one on the offensive line, another on the defensive line. Now, number 10, the Jets. Uh, this is um, a, a trade here. Uh, I do like them to go after a corner. And so I have them taking Derek Stingley Jr. with Sauce Gardner off the board. Stingley uh, checks all the boxes. Obviously, his injury history has kind of murkied his draft stock a little bit. But if you're the Jets, you get yourself a receiver in Wilson. You end up with Derek Stingley at number 10, who could very well end up being the top corner prospect in this year's draft. Um, we'll see how things shake up there. Uh, Washington Commanders at 11. I have them standing pat and taking Kyle Hamilton, the, the versatile safety from Notre Dame. I think uh, they really like him. In fact, they've hosted him on a top 30 visit. There's been a lot of buzz and interest for uh, Hamilton. So commanders at 11 land uh, quite a top-tier player, a guy that can come in, remake their defense. They parted ways with Landon Collins. So Hamilton is his perfect replacement. 12, Minnesota Vikings. I know a lot of mock drafts have them taking Stingley at 12. In my mock, he's gone to the Jets at 10. They still want to invest in the cornerback position, even though they brought back Patrick Peterson. So I have them taking Trent McDuffie, a name that has generated a lot of buzz, a guy that has tested extremely well. He is a little undersized, but if you pair him over there in Minnesota with Cam Dantzler, let him learn from Patrick Peterson. I think uh, the Vikings would be very elated to have a guy like Trent McDuffie join their secondary. Now, 13, here's where the Texans... Uh, traded. This is the pick that the Ravens had, so they moved from 3 to 13, and the uh, Texans, I have them taking George Karloftis, the edge rusher from Purdue, here at 13. Maybe a little rich for some people, but we all remember Houston having an edge rusher, dominant, disruptive guy, and J.J. Watt. I think George Karloftis is the second coming of what JJ Watt can, of what JJ Watt became. I'm not saying he's going to be JJ Watt, but he is disruptive and he is a cornerstone piece, a guy that can help that Houston defense um, and improve drastically. What's up, man? Hey, uh, that's fine with me. Okay. Okay. All right, um, excuse me, that interruption. So, uh, is at 13. Now, the Houston Texans, uh, with their other first round pick here, I have them taking Devin Lloyd at 14. So you have Karloftis at 13, Devin Lloyd at 14. So you're really solidifying that defense. Obviously, they cut ties with uh, Cunningham. Um, uh, uh, Bernardrick McKinney was a guy that once roamed that linebacker. Of course, they do have Christian Kirksey. They brought back Kamu Gruger-Hill, 
but they do need a young stud in there to be their future of that middle defense. So Devin Lloyd, I think he checks out all the boxes. Uh, Drake London at 15. I have the Eagles taking Drake London at 15. Um, I have the Saints taking Jamison Williams at 16. They're getting that speedster to pair with Michael Thomas. Then here's another trade. I have the Dallas Cowboys moving up from 24 to 17 and a trade with the Chargers to take Charles Cross, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. The Cowboys really like Cross, a guy that um, is is very versatile, very raw, and a, and, and, a, and could remind the Cowboys of, of an all-pro tackle that they took years ago in Tyron Smith. So they make a move for Charles Cross. They can start him at right tackle and then move him over to left tackle when, when Tyron Smith stops playing. Um, but I do believe they like Charles Cross. They had him on a top 30 visit. 18, I have a trade-up. I have the Saints trading with the New England Patriots. And so the Patriots make a jump um, to 19. In fact, they trade with the Eagles, and they go and get Jermaine Johnson, the edge from Florida State. I have the Saints at 19 taking Trevor Penning. Uh, pinning a, a big six seven off the tackle who put together a good senior bowl, plays with a mean streak. He kind of helps the Saints uh, fill the hole of Armstead signing with the Dolphins. And then you got 20. I have the Steelers standing pat and taking Desmond Ritter, a quarterback for Cincinnati. I have the Eagles at 21 who traded with the Patriots, taking Andrew Booth, another top corner to pair with Darius Slay. Green Bay at 22, I think they go receiver, Chris Olave. Even though they signed Sammy Watkins, I don't think that changes anything. Olave to Green Bay. 23, Devontae Wyatt to the Arizona Cardinals. 24, the Chargers, they trade with the Cowboys. They're not 24. I still have them taking a tackle, except this time they take Bernard Raymond, the offensive tackle from Central Michigan. Bills at 25, they are elated that Jordan Davis is still available. They snag him at 25 to uh, bolster that defense. 26, the Titans, they take a swing at Traylon Burks. Um, maybe that gives them what they're intending to create with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. This time they had Traylon Burks, who's more dynamic. You can put him in the slot, put him outside. That's a big move for the Titans. 27, the Bucks. They need a starting guard after Ali Marpet's retirement. They go and get one of the best guards in this year's draft class in Zion Johnson at 27. 28, a surprise pick here. The Packers, they do want to address the secondary. I have them taking Jalen Petrie out of uh, Baylor. I did interview Petrie on Friday, draft interview, great kid. Um, man, the guy, you turn on his film, and he, he reminds you of Tyron Matthew, and he'll tell you that's his favorite player. He's versatile. You put him at the line of scrimmage. He can get sacked. He can get turnovers. The guy's a disruptive playmaker. You put him in the back end. I know they have Adrian Amos and they have Darnell Savage, but this is a guy that you can put in the as a slot corner. You can blitz him. You can put a play him at a, at a rover position. Anywhere he makes that Green Bay defense better. So I have them taking him at 28. 29, the Chiefs, back-to-back -back picks, 29 and 30. I have the Chiefs taking Travis Jones out of Connecticut, defensive tackle. At 30, they get their receiver in Sky Moore, a guy that can come in and, and replicate some of the things Tyree Kill can do. Not as fast, just as quick, uh, excellent route runner, can make things happen with the ball in his hands. 31, the Bengals, I have them taking Tyler Linderbaum, um, center from Iowa, and then 32, Daxton Hill goes to the Lions to end round one, keeping him in Michigan.
So there's my first round mock draft right there for you. Um, had fun going through it next Monday. I may put out a second mock draft just because that is draft week. Can't wait to see where all these prospects land. I'm at the point where I'm tired of all the talk, all the speculation. I think we all want the draft to come as soon as possible. and It is coming soon. So um, that's my first round mock draft. I appreciate you tuning in. Have a great week. I hope you had a great Easter weekend. I apologize that my mic was muted for the first part of the podcast, but um, I got plenty of content out there. If you want to go back and listen to my trades. So there you have it. Have a blessed afternoon. Thank you.